This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Jonathan Wilson and Who Scored's very own Martin Lawrence. I lied last week and said it was the final podcast before Christmas. It isn't. This one is, and we're here to preview all the football action on Boxing Day, if any happens at all. How are we both? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for asking, as always. Martin, you okay? Yes, very well, thanks. I can't back. ask how... I can't ask it back because you've already replied, but I would have, just to, just to make sure. No, 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 but you're, you're back. You've not been on the last... The last two you haven't been on, Martin? Just one, I think, but yeah, okay. it could be two. Like, I'm like glad two. you've missed me, though. It feels, feels like, feels like longer, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah a, long, a long time. It's always good to have Josh filling in, looking out that window, though. We do always enjoy <laughs> that. Although he didn't look out the window last week. There was actually stuff in the comments saying... No Billy Gilmore mentioned, no Josh looking out the window. Not good enough, basically. It's from that podcast. So, yeah, we have to try and make amends this week. We're going to start by talking about AFCON. It's been given the green light, Jonathan, which seems very strange in the current world that we're living in. So, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. So why do you think it's strange? Well, just because of COVID. It's got off to a great start to the podcast. No, but I, I just don't think... I don't, I, you know, I don't think COVID cases in Cameroon are particularly high. I don't think there's any greater risk there. There's it's obviously risk from the UK. Yeah, but I mean, teams fly anyway. Um, true. I, true. I, I, I think a lot of the reaction has been um, just because Premier League clubs don't like having this tournament happening in the middle of the season. But there's not yeah. really a way around that because um, hosting it later in the year is just not possible in several African countries. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going out for the knockouts. I'm, I'm still oh, slightly yeah. holding back. Yeah, still still haven't quite finalised plans. I'm waiting to see yeah, how the COVID situation is. Uh, but the more I've looked into it, the more I think it, it should be possible to be, you know, at least as safe there as I would be in uh, in Lambeth or Wandsworth, which are the uh, the two, two COVID hotspots of, of the UK at the moment and where I tend to spend most of my time. I mean, I feel like there's like a Christmas dinner where I've tried to say something at the start of the movie <laughs> to, impress, to impress my uncle, and it's completely backfired, and he shot me down. And now I'm just, I'm just not going to enjoy my Christmas meal at all. Martin, we've got a, a top-rated Afcon eleven, haven't we? We do, yeah. Hopefully, um, you, can impre- hopefully you can impress Uncle Jonathan with your, with your. Oh, I definitely won't impress Uncle Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a bit of light relief, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a hot potch of a team, just because. Certain positions not particularly strong, but oh, the God. we've built an eleven that is that is a it would be an entertaining team, put it that way. Um, in goals, pretty obvious. Edouard Mondi in goal. Uh, we've got a three-four-three formation for what it's oh, worth. We like it. We like it. Uh, it's unfortunate that Matic isn't uh, not 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 eligible for Cameroon, but has withdrawn. I don't know if he's actually retired, but he hasn't played for years. He retired for a long time, yeah. So yeah, that would have been nice, but it's still a decent back three anyway. Uh, of Mohamed Salasu, uh, Southampton. Uh, I Mohamed like... Salah then, I was really confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> wouldn't put it past me, would you? Uh, Salasu of Southampton, who's had a really good season, actually. Uh, took a long time to sort of settle in Southampton, but has finally sort of broken through. Um, he, he's Ghanaian, for what it's worth. Uh, Romain Saïs, who I think could be a real big big blow for, for Wolves. Yeah. Uh, Morocco International, obviously their back three has been consistent throughout the season and when you take a part out of that and one that's been so consistent uh they could have some problems and Cheku Kuate uh completes the back three it would have been Matic but it's Kuate uh and then the midfield pairing is interesting some some pretty big names miss out so Wilfred and Diddy misses out and that probably goes along with what Jonathan has said a few times about him being off the off his usual standard since he's come back from injury let's say it is his lowest rated season in the Premier League, according to our our ratings, so uh, and Thomas Party misses out as well. So the midfield pairings actually Naby Keita and Eve Basuma, uh, and then we've got wing backs, very attacking wing backs. Well, Maxwell Cornet on the left, who I think is passable because he did play played left wing back for Lyon for years, hasn't played there for for Burnley, admittedly, so a little bit cheeky. And Emmanuel Dennis on the right. Oh come on, Martin. We, we've 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 uh, shoehorned in because. Uh, he has played on the right of a midfield five for Watford this season when they've played against the bigger teams. So we've shoehorned him in. I know that's a bit 
cheeky, but definitely deserves a place. And that allows you to play a front three of Riyad Mahrez, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane, which is a pretty nice front three, isn't it? Mm. Pretty tasty. So, yeah, pretty nice team. Edouard Mondi, Salasu, Karate, Saiz, Keita, Basuma, Corne, Dennis, Mahrez, Salah, Mane. So some very good players that will be headed out to AFCON as ever. In terms of the teams that will be affected, Watford, although Dennis isn't a guarantee, he's a, I think we forget that actually before this season, he's not actually been particularly good. And he's only he's never started for Nigeria. Uh, he has had three caps, but all from the bench. Last one was over a year ago. So he's not a guaranteed call-up, but you'd expect on the form that he's in that he would he would go. Ismail Assar is injured at the moment, but would likely go if he's fit with Senegal. They've also got Trista Kong, Adam Messina, Peter Etebo, who's injured as well. So Watford have five players. They've got the most minutes uh, racked up of players that are eligible for AFCON. So they could be badly affected. In terms of the most minutes, it goes Watford, Palace with Kiate, Zaha, Ayu and Schlupp. Uh, then Liverpool, Saleh, Mane, Keita, uh, Mane, Keita. And then Arsenal, Partey, Aubameyang, Elneny, which I think could be an important one without Partey, and El Nenny, mm. they look very short. And Pepe as well, who scored in the week but doesn't get a look in, in the league. Um, yeah, the other one's obviously Chelsea missing Mondi, relying on Kepa now uh, for the next sort of few weeks or will be in the new year. And, and Leicester as well with Ndidi. Uh, Daka Andy and Nacho is important as well because that puts all the pressure on Jamie Vardy, isn't it? So I think no, Daka, Zambia haven't qualified. So Daka. Oh, did they not qualify? So they'll be fine. Leicester will be fine. Don't worry about Leicester. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Nothing to worry about at all there. <laughs> Uncle Jonathan, thoughts on the 11? It's actually better than I was expecting. I'd probably have Schlupp at one of the wing back positions. But That's uh, fair. Other, other than that, yeah. And Thank you. It's, um, yeah. No, I'm full of spirit. Would you like a little bit of trivia? Of course you would. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So we can do on. we can do a little two and throw. There there are four teams. I'm going to let you have alternate guesses. There are four teams without any players eligible for Afcon. So who would like to go first in guessing? I think Tottenham. Correct. Dan. Mania. No. Norwich. Correct, 2-0. Oh, Dan, you need this. Really made, you need this really. I've got to tell you in my head, but I'm not 100% sure. So I can't I can't risk them. <laughs> Podcast gold. Podcast Everton? Gold. No. Oh, oh dear me. It's embarrassing. Jonathan, you it might have guessed be. the other day. It will be for Everton. Oh. He, he likely won't go, but he is eligible. And Mbamian as well is eligible, but won't go because he's never See, fit. I knew they weren't going. Leeds? Leeds 3 0. Jonathan, stop incredible. it. Absolutely, stop it. Uh, we need to see if Jonathan can do the full sweep, don't we? This is pressure now. Newcastle. Correct. That is insane. Very, very good. We'll stop, well the, done. stop the podcast there. Excellent it doesn't get it doesn't get better. Merry than that, Christmas, it? everyone! Yeah, yeah, it does not no. get better than that. Very impressive. Well done, Jonathan. Sensational. All we'll do, we'll cut out all the pauses, and Jonathan will just rattle them <laughs> off. Bang, bang, the bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Tottenham, Norwich, Leeds, Newcastle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a great effort. I, I, that's it. Doesn't get better than that. There is literally no point well, it's, doing it's the rest of the It's quite hard to do a negative as well, right? Because you you just got to go into each squad thing. Is there anybody there? Mm. It's, it's a it's a it's, it's not a pleasant form of trivia, I don't think. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, but you've thrived in that did. format, Jonathan, and I'm sure that has made your day, really. You can't, yeah, can't oh, top yeah, that, yeah. I think. Um, uh, euphoric. I knew I was yeah. in trouble when Fulham came into my head and they're not in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know I, I know I had some problems at, at that point. Let's look ahead to Boxing Day. Then let's forget about the trivia. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> now, Jonathan, I know you're an avid follower of my Twitter. I don't know whether you saw this tweet that I put out during the Spurs Liverpool game. You put out quite a lot of tweets, don't you? I do do a lot of tweets. That, that's fair. A lot of you have photos of you wearing slightly odd clothing. Yeah, that, have, that that does happen. You're paying attention. That's good, Jonathan. I've, I've, I've gone up in your estimations because you're at least paying attention to me now. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I said that in 10 years' time, he's going to be like a no-brainer. When people are putting across their all-time Premier League 11s, Trent will just be in everyone's team. He's going to be the best right-back of the Premier League era, isn't he? Well, certainly that type of right-back, yeah. That very attacking... Gets forward, score. I mean, he scores, seems to be scoring more and more goals, but also the, you know, the crosses, the assists... Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Uh, I also think, well, I, I think it's 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 partly to do with the era he plays in. That yeah. Even now, 
you get people saying, oh, you know, he, he's wasted at right back. He should be played in midfield. But I think fullbacks are, are an incredibly important position. Yeah, you know, I, I think there was a time, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, when you sort of occasionally could hide a slightly average player at fullback and they could do sort of a solid job. I just don't think that's the case anymore. I, th- I think the best modern right backs are really good footballers and really good defenders and have to be really fit and have to be great deliverers of a ball. I have to read the game really well. I have to be tactically very astute. And I think Alexander-Arnold is is all of that. So uh, I think we live in an era of great right-backs. I mean, you look at people like Rhys James, Tarek Lamptey, uh, Trippier, obviously not in the Premier League anymore, Carl Walker. Um, Matty Cash. Yeah, there yeah, are others as well. Um, uh, but he, yeah, he, he is the outstanding one. I think the way he plays creates certain... Issues, and I think we talked about that before. That he, he really needs to play in a team that presses hard, otherwise that space behind him yeah. can be exploited. But he does play in a team like that, so that's that's fine. Um, I think that's the reason why he he shouldn't necessarily be a first choice for England. But in terms of picking one of these putative teams of what is your your greatest Premier League eleven, assuming you are playing a hard pressing game, and unless you're Jose Mourinho, you're going to be then, yeah, I, I, I think that's a totally fair show. Talking of hiding average personnel, Martin, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, I can't think of any other, but when you're picking your all-time Premier League eleven, Gary Neville has always been a no-brainer. Exactly, right? that's exactly and what I was going to say. always Gary Neville, everyone said, I can't think of anyone a lot, else. A lot of people have really? said, that because this debate's come up a little bit of late, and that's sort of why we discussed it. Um, a lot of people have said that this sensationalist or too early to say that Trent could be considered in that bracket. I just don't think it is at all. The right back slot in any team of like Premier League team of the sort of era is always Gary Neville, Zabaleta, Azpilicueta. Is Trent Alexander-Arnold better now than any of those players were at their peak? A hundred percent he is. A hundred percent. Those were all very good defenders. And like Jonathan says, they're a completely different type of player. But if you're looking at Trent Alexander-Arnold is a right back. So does he belong in that discussion? Yes, he does. And he's better than those players. And he's played a lot of games at, what is he, 23? I think he's made 130 starts at right back in the Premier League, which is a good amount of starts. For what it's worth, that's more starts than Azpilicueta has made at right back. So and, And people would consider him because of the longevity of his career in the Premier League. So we looked in, we did look into it in terms of the top rated right backs since we got our since we acquired Opta data to, to run our ratings, which was 2009-10. Uh, so that does rule out the likes of Gary Neville. Sorry, Gary. We looked into it and we we set a, a minimum of 100 starts at right back just because that seems like a, a nice amount. It's a, it's a solid amount to have made. And the top rated is Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, with mm-hmm. a 7.28. It goes, so I'll run through it from, from the bottom. And this sort of highlights the fact that there, there haven't been that many standout right backs in the Premier League era. Tenth is Seamus Coleman. <laughs> Ninth, somewhat bizarrely, is Angel Rangel. Eighth, <laughs> I know. Eighth, Cesar Azpilicueta. Seventh, Carl, Waters, uh, Carl Walker. Sixth, Zabaleta. Fifth, Glenn Johnson. Fourth, Bakary Sanya. Third, and this is controversial, is Aaron Wambisaka. Um, has made a lot of starts and basically... A lot of it's down to his Crystal Palace days. He got incredible ratings at Crystal Palace from us just because the the amount of tackles and interceptions he got through. Not just the volume as well. He's his. I'm going to say it. His tackle success is sensational. Um, just doesn't get dribbled past. He is. You'd have to put him down as one of the best tacklers in the game. Uh, he's had a really tough season this season. But yeah, Wambasak is third, and Ivanovic is actually second. Uh, made a lot of starts at right back. A lot of people would consider him a centre back can do both obviously but 164 league starts at right back for Chelsea so yeah Alexander-Arnold is out in in front now after what is a sensational season this season he's the second highest rated player uh, in the Premier League behind Mo Salah for us this season so I'm going to say it Trent Alexander-Arnold for me he would get into my Premier League team of all time at right back I mean, we've already had one good point where we could have ended the podcast after Jonathan's quiz success. Plan Aaron Wan-Bissaka is the third best ever Premier League right back. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably end the podcast for good. That way we'll probably, probably never be back no, talking I, I, about football he's again. He's a very different type of fullback, isn't he? And I think one of the one of the issues he's had at United is he was fine. I mean, you think back to that game. God, was it only last season when United beat City at Old Trafford? 
Yeah. Was that so March time earlier this year? Is that true? Or was it last year? I don't know, mm. to be honest. I, but he was brilliant in that game. It was it was the game when McTominay scored that last minute lob. Yeah. And United won two nil. That was, that, so was 20, been 20, that was 20, Two seasons yeah. ago, yeah. Not Two seasons season. ago. But he, he was, yeah, wan I think, was one of the match in that game. He was brilliant. I yeah. think he made eight tackles or something. Yeah. Um, well, his, his rating has got progressively worse with every season, which isn't a good sign. Yeah. But he did start off at an incredibly high standard at Crystal Palace, which is why he got the move to Man United. was very good in his first season at Man United for, for my money, for, for what it's worth. And, has, yeah, has just sort of progressively struggled a little bit more season on season so he would probably fall down that list pretty quickly if he continues in that vein but, yeah, but it just it depends what sort of right back you want if you want a defensive right back I I, I mean obviously at the minute he's short of form and confidence but I, yeah I think I think yeah I, I think he's fine it's just if you want somebody who's going to be good on the ball and get forward then he's obviously not the topic's definitely getting away from us here. The only person watching at this point is Gareth Southgate. Loving the right back chat. Can't get enough <laughs> of it. Let's talk about Leeds a little bit then. Big, big problems in big, big trouble, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Leeds. I mean, it's predominantly injuries. Um, you were in uncharted territories in terms of Bielsa being his fourth season at the club. He's never done that before. Uh, you do wonder, and, and you know, it is a, it is wondering. I, I, I I don't know this, and, and I, I don't even know how you begin to prove it, but you do wonder if that sustained intensity over four years mm-hmm. is one of the reasons they've had so many injuries. Uh, but if you've got you know, 11 players out who are in contention for first-team places, and eight or nine of those are genuine regulars, it's going to be really, really tough. Um, I don't really think the last week should worry anybody too much. Um, yeah, Getting hammered off Manchester City is a thing that often happens. Uh, getting hammered by this Arsenal now they're in form, I, I think is you know it's is the kind of thing that can happen. They they played really well. I thought Stamford Bridge a bit unlucky not to at least get a point there, um, but they are sinking and they they have got a lot of players out. Bamford obviously has been out most of the season and they've relied on him for goals. I think that's then put pressure on on Rafinha. Um, I think Dan James is a good signing for them, but. Again, you'd want him playing off Bamford and he's had injuries. And of course, Calvin Phillips is absolutely critical to them, yeah. not just for the defensive solidity he gives you you're in front of the back two or three, but also because the speed of his passing, the way he moves more quickly from front to back, is so essential to how Leeds attack. And actually, if you look at the stats, um, although they've had some sort of high-profile games where they've They've let in a load. So the seven against City, the four against Arsenal, the five against Manchester United. If you take out goals conceded against sort of a, a putative big four, uh, and plus Arsenal. So, but I mean, Arsenal are top four at the minute, aren't they? So, uh, that's sort of, if you take out goals against, say, the top five or six, the defensive record this season isn't actually that bad. The problem is they haven't scored goals. And that is a real issue for Bielsa's team if they're not scoring goals. Are you worried for Bielsa at all, Martin? Because he doesn't feel like a manager suited to a relegation battle at all. And it also, this might be unfair, feels like the kind of manager, if things aren't going well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really want to be in a relegation battle. He could walk and Leeds are so heavily built around his image. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. I think most Leeds fans would be desperately worried if Bielsa lost, not lost interest, but lost what is clearly a real passion for the club and the and the town uh, and that can happen when you're getting pummeled week in week out and the injuries are just mounting against you like it just gets worse and worse and ironically we're in a situation where they're only fit centre-back now do you know who it is Dan? Uh, no it's Cock so it's Cock oh he's back Cock is to... back in Cock is, is in back. and he no more is the only out. fit centre-back no more Cock out Cock is in and He's the only fit centre-back and he'll be partnered by Luke Ayling, who can play there, but he's naturally a right-back. Everyone else is out. Llorente is now ill. Cooper's out. Uh, Strike is out. Even Charlie Cresswell, who's their sort of up-and-coming youngster at centre-back, is out. So they're really in trouble. And, and yeah, the Phillips one is the big one, isn't it? I just think if you look into their with-without record in terms of Calvin Phillips since they got promoted, 16 games without Calvin Phillips. They've lost 12 and they've conceded 2.44 goals per game in those games. So the, that protection that he offers, is, for what it's worth, their goal difference in the 40 games with Calvin Phillips is plus 27. In the 16 games without him, it's minus 21. 
So if you stre- if you stretch their average goal difference out over an entire season without Calvin Phillips, they'd get a minus minus fifty goal difference over. It. So the he he affects them massively. The last team to get minus fifty goal difference in the Premier League was was Huddersfield, for what it's worth. Wow. Um, so yeah, that. They they score like Jonathan says they score a lot more goals with him in the team as well because he he's he's the metronomic one isn't he he dictates the tempo oh yeah we all so, know what yeah, that word means they're they're exactly um, they're a decent side with him in it but the problem is he's he's look, looks like he's out for another sort of possibly another month or or more so that's a real real problem January coming up they probably will need to do something but what Leeds can do at the moment and. The sort of, I, I don't know what fixes them at the moment. Just players returning from injury fixes them, but yeah, it's a, they're they're in a pickle. I mean, I, I think to be fair, Bielsa, I don't think it'd be a case of a losing interest in the club. I think it would be feeling that he is no longer able to mm. to, to to help them survive. Yeah. I, you know, I think he is a very uh, moral person. Uh, so I think this, the, the two things that historically have, have led to him walking out are if he feels he's been betrayed by the board, if he feels they've reneged on promises, which is what happened at Marseille, is what happened at Athletic, or if he feels he's got nothing left to, to offer. I don't think it's a case of him, in, in a way you might see it with Mourinho, of him sort of thinking, I've got to protect my reputation here. Mm. I just don't think that's how, how, he, how he thinks. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't think there's any evidence of him... Of any any real tension between him and the board, I, I, but I, I think obviously there's a there's a possibility for somebody as intense as that that he he feels he's he, you know, he's exhausted and he, he can take them no further. Bet builders, Martin. This might be of interest to quite a few people based on Leeds's problems. I think most people would predict a quite comfortable Liverpool win, and it is tricky because of COVID cases. We don't know what's going to happen, but for what it's worth, with bet builders, if a player is out. Uh, that's in the bet builder. The bet is just voided. You don't. You, you get your money back basically. Um, so the risk isn't isn't massive. What we've done is we've gone for Mane, Salah, and Jota all to score in this game. Uh, Mane scored in his last two against Leeds. Salah has four goals in two starts against Leeds, and Jota has seven goals in his last eight games in total. So for all three of Liverpool's front three to score, if they start, if they all start, I think a lot of people. will We'll fancy that based on Leeds' problems at the moment. Was fifteen to two? Bet Victor have boosted it to nine to one. It's only five to one elsewhere. So a, a big, big price, a big, big improvement. So, like I said, worth waiting for the team news. But if those three do start, I think that's a that looks a really, really nice price. And what's who scored score predictions for the Dominic Matteo derby? <laughs> uh, we have gone for four one to Liverpool. Four one, Jonathan. Four nil to Liverpool. One nil, and I've gone. I feel slightly conservative. A three nil. You know, I've gone for gone for three nil. Obviously, Jota, Salah, and Mane to score. And exactly. To come in in mind. That, that makes complete sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move on to the next game now. Villa Park, Villa v Chelsea, Boxing Day tea time. Jonathan, they haven't really played together much at all since his arrival at the club because Watkins was injured when he when Danny Ings arrived, and then Danny Ings has been injured as well. At some point, I think Gerard will utilise them together, but they doesn't really—they don't really fit with the formation that Gerard's playing at the moment or the system. Do you think he can get Ings and Watkins to work? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I—I'd I, be surprised if he played them as a four-four-two, but I think you—you you can play Ings wide coming in, and I think the way Gerard plays up front three tends to be quite narrow, so that—that that sort of fits with that. Um, given the the ludicrous glut of right-sided forwards that Villa have. I, I guess that, to an extent, makes sense. Get the ball down the right, cross it to the back post. You got two of them, two you know, two players with decent air coming in on it. So that that is an option. Um, I would assume that that the Wennings was signed. It was a, as a sort of alternative to Watkins as a backup to him, rather than necessarily as somebody to, to to play alongside him. Well, thirty million. I think Dean Smith was speaking about playing them together. Really? Never, yeah, mm. and going four four two, but then we never ever played four four two. Certainly point. wasn't a Dean Smith signing, though, was it? I don't think it was Not one sure. of those. I was one of those where I think something came available quite quickly when Grealish was about to leave, and they thought, "Look, we can do this. If we can do this quickly, hide the Grealish disappointment a little bit." It was it was the signing, wasn't it? That was just boom, just happened. Yeah, and it was like yeah. what? <laughs> Danny Ings has gone to Villa. Uh, and yeah, it looked a really good signing at the time. I'm not saying it isn't a really good signing, 
but yeah, that that pairing does look a bit confused. I think when you watch Villa, and it's something that I've observed, Dan, I don't know if you have, it's pretty obvious when they have played together which one has played in a two before. Like Danny Ings, for my money, he looks for Watkins, and Watkins doesn't really look for Ings. And that's not really a criticism of Watkins. He's yeah, just I know never, what you mean. He's never played in a two, so he needs to get used to that because Ollie Watkins definitely isn't a selfish player, but he doesn't have that link up. Danny Ings played with Shea Adams and played in a front two for years. Um, so he knows how to do it. And he, do, he, he does look to find Watkins, I think, more than more than the other way around. So I don't know. But what Jonathan said, I think it's quite interesting because a lot of people would say Watkins is the natural one to go out to the left. And that has happened this season. But I do think there is a case for, for Ings to be the one that's, that comes in from wide, personally. I just think he's got Probably got more about his game, more intelligence about his game. And well, Villa are playing two more... number tens, aren't they, behind a striker as well? So yeah. it does make more sense for it to be Ings, to be honest. Yeah, and Watkins is more of a box finisher. He's more of a box player. He's instinctive, picks up good positions. He he runs channels excellently, presses excellently. But in terms of his finishing, he's a he's a box player. Danny Ings is a bit more, maybe a little bit more cute. Um, so yeah. The one that I could see working, but it isn't something that Gerard has ever done, is Buendia behind the two of them. Could that work? Um, that would be something that might be worth trying. But then you, when, when the likes of Leon Bailey come back, it's uh, Bertrand Traore, they're wide players, aren't they? So Trezeguet is back now as well. Trezeguet as well. I don't, don't feel like he'll get a look in personally, but there we go. Uh, so yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I I don't think it looks like a natural partnership at the moment. So and and I do think it was signed to be a partnership, like you say. I do think that was the idea. Um, mm. So if it doesn't work out, then there will be some questions. Good time to play Chelsea at the moment, isn't it, Jonathan? A little bit of a, of a wobble, not looking like the beast that we thought they were. Yeah, I mean, before the uh, League Cup quarter final uh, win over Brentford, they won what two in seven. Um, before the the Wolves game at the weekend, uh, they've gone six without a without a clean sheet, and you're keeping a clean sheet against Wolves is, you know, is, given the way Wolves just don't score goals, is kind of pretty standard. So yeah, I think there's a lot gone wrong there. I mean, I, I think it's again, it's just back, it's down to injuries that uh, Kante came back for that Wolves game, and I think probably played more than well, I think Tuchel said that he didn't really want to play him for a full game, but but ended up playing him more than he wanted to. Uh, Kovacic being out, um, and, and I, because the Sal signing hasn't worked, hasn't worked out that, that they haven't had the cover in that area that they'd like to have. So yeah, we. Um, I mean, it, it, it sort of feels that Tuchel came in last season, went for that three-four-two-one, almost as a short-term fix, and I, I sort of expected over summer he'd, he'd go to the back four, which is what he used all the time in Germany, or pretty much all the time in Germany, and in a PSG. And for whatever reason, he he hasn't done that, and maybe that's because he thinks that that Rudiger and Aspilicueta work better on as the the wide, you know, the wide um, centre backs in the back three. Um, I guess he's got incredibly potent wing backs, um, but it, it sort of always has felt this sort of bodge job, this sort of halfway house solution. And I wonder now if we're seeing the, the, the consequences of that. Yeah, so many defenders out of contract as well, Martin, coming up for Chelsea. It does feel like there's just a bit of uncertainty in general around them at the moment, which I would have said a month ago would have been impossible. And they've stumbled in games where you'd really think they wouldn't have done as well in recent weeks. I think Jonathan's right. The 3-4-2-1 the, the had looked really, really effective, even even until quite recently. I mean, there were the back-to-back back games against Leicester and Juventus, wasn't there, where they were excellent in both. And those are... Well, Juventus maybe not anymore, but those aren't easy games. Um, and yeah, since then, they've just looked a bit uncertain. Like, like Jonathan said, injuries have been a problem. I think Kovacic has been a really big miss. He started, yeah, the, season, started the season so, so well. Uh, and he's missed 10 games, well, hasn't started 10 league games now. They've only won four of those games. They only conceded twice in the eight starts that he made. Uh, and now they're conceding pretty much every game, aren't they? So... He's, he's been a really big miss and is a player that's well-liked by Chelsea fans and for good reason. And I think he was just showing signs of improvement, improvement uh, and, yeah, was becoming more and more important in that midfield. And he's back now, I think, um, returning to fitness. So that could be a that could be a big thing. But defensively, they've had a wobble and, and even Mondi in goal, who'd had an excellent start, he's had a bit of a... That West Ham game in particular, but couple where he's not looked as uh, sure of himself so 
yeah, uh, it's probably a short-term thing, but I do agree that it's a, it's a good time for Villa to play them and, and they should go into the game with, with some confidence based on how they've played against Chelsea in the past. Even the reverse fixture in the league, Villa played really, really well and lost 3-0 uh, and then played a sort of second-string team in the in the Carabao Cup and took them to penalties and played played well for periods of that game as well. So I think, I think they'll go into this game thinking they can get a, a result. Uh, a draw would be a good one. Um, but they they won't be playing for a draw at all, I don't know. No, not under Steven Gerrard. What's the bet builder for this game? So it kind of links into all three of our predictions for this game, so worth rattling them off now. Okay. Um, so who scores is one all. I'm one all. Also one all. There you yeah. go. Yeah. As if by magic. One all across the board. Um, both teams have scored in five of the last six meetings. Uh, two of the last four have ended one all. So the first leg is for, for the game to end one all. Uh, then it's two plus cards for each team. This has been a really tasty get a fixture. I don't, don't really know why, but spe- specifically at Villa Park, there have been 42 cards in the last six games between the teams at Villa Park uh, and at least two to each team in five of those six games. So we're going for two uh, two plus cards to each team and Chelsea to have seven or more corners. Villa have conceded seven or more corners in five of Gerrard's six games in charge. Chelsea have had 53 corners in the last six meetings between the teams, which is almost nine per game. So, yeah, that is uh, one all draw, two plus cards for each team, and Chelsea to have seven or more corners. Uh, that was 41 to one, now 50 to one. So, I know Ooh. you like a nice 50 to one, Dan. So, That's I'm big. sure you might, you, might have a, you might have a go on that one. So, yeah, very, yeah. very big price. As ever, all of our tips will be in the description and, and on social. And uh, as we've alluded to plenty of times over the course of the series, do gamble responsibly, especially at this time of year. Yeah, and talking of getting on it, that, of course, is the John Terry derby, Villa versus mm. Chelsea. Next up is Newcastle against Manchester. I don't know why I did that. What's that all about? Oh, Newcastle. Newcastle being United. I have to boxing day, the 27th. I think that's a disgrace, by the way, putting a game on the 27th. <laughs> Everything should just be on boxing day. It's not yep. fair on a team not to have boxing day football. So I completely disagree with the schedule there. Is Newcastle v Manchester United? Martin, you want to do a Newcastle transfer focus here? Have you got any suggestions? <laughs> Have I got any suggestions? I think it's just the whole 11. (laughs) No, no, no. It's just the debate, really, as to how they approach this transfer window because it's massive, isn't it? And it's the frame of mind that they go into it in. They can they can really attack it and go big. Um, I think the signs so far would suggest that they're they're maybe being a bit more shrewd or a bit more prudent than many might expect. No one wants to deal with them. Yeah. But I think that there is a realization now that relegation is a is a real distinct possibility. It was already, but Eddie Howe hasn't made a great start. They have, they've they've played better football, but I think even the appointment of him, a manager who doesn't set up teams to defend well at all, uh, his Bournemouth sides conceded an average of sixty six goals a season in the Premier League, which is a lot, um, and the defense was the problem. So. I don't know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you, you think maybe they might be thinking perhaps we should have gone for a more defensive coach and then got us through to January and then build on a solid platform. They don't have that solid platform to build from. Um, so I think they should be not planning for relegation at all, but they need to. it's a, it's a really precarious window for them, isn't it? It's a, it's a situation unlike any other, really, where they've got all the money in the world, but there's a decent chance they'll be playing championship football next season. Nat Phillips, top of my list to go to Newcastle. That I think that would be a great signing. You I think Nat they might Phillips even be... agent. You are. You totally. Right, <laughs> <so. laughs> yeah, he's injured unfortunately, but uh, he'll be back. He'll be back soon. Um, they might be looking at Eddie and Ketia. Uh, hasn't really lit it Do up. They in need the a striker. They're only one front. Is that the they problem? Probably need a, a second choice striker, another striker. Wilson isn't. It has injury problems. Usually, most seasons he has. He has injury problems. The one, the one thing I would point to as well, since Howe's come in, or more since Bruce left, is St. Maximan's gone completely off the boil, and he was the he was the player, wasn't he? He was the sort of the spark in the team, and he's he's really sort of fizzled out for what, for want of a better phrase. And Joe Ellington's probably been the best sort of attacking player in that time, and they did have that that sort of default under Bruce in the past, not recently, where they could sit deep and then St. Maximan go spring, basically. And that worked to an extent. And that's not 
what they're doing anymore. Um, but yeah, they they need a little bit. They, obviously, we've said before they need midfielders, they need defenders, but getting those those in the sort of profile that they'd want is going to be really tough. So yeah, I think they need to be a little bit cautious. I just want to shout out Jonathan's tribute to Josh. They're a great window look whilst mine was talking, I noticed. Had a really, really, good look, oh, out, no. a real good look out the window there. There's something going on. Tribute to Josh. Anything it's exciting? A, it's a very short man. It's Josh, actually. It's Josh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Josh with a leaf blower. Yeah, yeah. Great times, great scene. A very short man. Well, it's a surprisingly <laughs> short. It, did, it didn't, didn't quite make any sense, but it, it turned out he was... He was quite short. Oh, I don't know if you noticed earlier, but I uh, I waved at the cat as well when it. Uh, I, I did notice that. Wave. I, did, I yeah. wondered, I wondered what cat? you were doing. Yeah. Did he wave? Did he want cat wave back? No, he's he's. Um, he's I don't know. He's, he's, he's quite a quite a cold figure. That cat. Yeah, <laughs> no ways from the cat. I, the thing is, I feel I feel slightly life. guilty because you, you know that I have yeah I have these issues with the plants on my terrace keep getting blown over, so I've had sure. to move them so that, to protect them a bit from the wind. But in doing that, I've blocked off the easy little kind of run through that a cat used to go through. So he now has to hop over the top. And every time he gets there and he looks at me as if to go, why are you making me jump over the fence? <laughs> and then hops over the fence. And today he actually sat on the fence and stared at me. And that was when I, I acknowledged him. Yeah. That's why he's not waving back. Annoyed, yeah. upset with yeah. upset with your yeah. formation. The look of disdain. The yeah. Albert, he's called. He's very nice, Albert. 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 Not my cat. It's from four doors down. Yeah. Well, you, you don't mind to get to know the cat's name from four doors down. That's good. Yeah, well, I, I got, it from, got it from his owner, not from him, to be fair. Uh, okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> makes sense. Moira, she's called Where do we again? I feel like I ended the podcast. <laughs> where, do I, where do I go? Where do I go with this? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. One of the players Newcastle are linked with quite heavily is Kieran Trippier. Yeah, great player. I love Kieran Trippier. That's not going to keep him up. Well, it would help. I mean, I think he's a really, really good defender. I just don't know why he would want to go there. I mean, Cash. You're, you're, Cash, Jonathan. That's why. That's why anyone's going to go there, isn't it? Really, they're not going there because Newcastle. Uh, yeah, great but, I mean, he, he's playing in an Atletico side that's in the last sixteen of the Champions League. Why would you give that up for a relegation battle in Newcastle? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's not that he's fallen out of favour at Atletico. Nah. Um. So, I mean, if that maybe maybe he's sick of Spain, wants to come back to England. I don't know. That's it's possible. Um. But I mean, that would seem a slightly strange move. Um. I mean, I think the other problem Newcastle have is they don't, at the moment, they don't have a lot of football expertise in the boardroom. And I think no, even the, the, the search, I mean, that's, you know, they're obviously pursuing Dan Ashworth. And, and you know, if, if he comes in, I think he'd be a very good appointment for them. But that, that may temper what they can do in the transfer window, uh, you know, certainly until, until he does arrive, if he does. I think you saw that even with the appointment of the manager. We saw that month of just names being fired about all over the place mm. they nearly got emery and then he had second thoughts for the last minute for what for whatever reason and then they end up going back to eddie howe who they could have got you know a month earlier mm. um and that's sort of i don't know i sort of felt that slightly undermined eddie howe from the start in the same way that nuno was undermined at, at spurs uh so yeah he, he's what four points from six games uh to be fair to him it's been a pretty tricky run of fixtures. I don't think you'd expect them to get much out yeah. of Manchester City. You know, although they lost 4-0, they played okay in that game. If they got the penalty they should have had, then it might have been slightly different. But really, four points. Um, I, I suppose it's been tricky games. Leicester away, they were pretty poor in. The four points, though, from those two home games back-to-back against Norwich and Burnley are pretty much a minimum requirement. Yeah, And I say that Really, six points is a minimum requirement, but because they got the red card after what was it, 10, 12 minutes against Norwich, you think, okay, drawing that game is not not a terrible result. Um, but yeah, they 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 really do need to start picking up points pretty quickly, and I think they're fortunate that the likes of Watford and Leeds, maybe even Southampton, are starting to look a bit vulnerable and probably are are within range. Let's look at Manchester United then, Martin. Mm-hmm. Since Solskjaer left now, Solskjaer, since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer departed, there's been six games. Who's yeah. scored have got a top 10 Manchester United players from those said six games? The sort of top of the rankings isn't probably not, not surprising. We'll come to that. Uh, so I'll run from the bottom. So 10th is Bruno Fernandes. And interestingly, he's the only one in the top 10 whose rating has actually decreased since Solskjaer left. He was, he was also one of the one of the main players to stick up for Solskjaer, wasn't he? Particularly at the end. But yeah, he's tenth, so he hasn't he hasn't really um, kicked on. He's 
struggled a little bit since Solskjaer left. Uh, ninth is Harry Maguire. Everyone, for, for what it's worth, all bar Mason Greenwood, who's eighth, his rating is identical to what it was under Solskjaer. Everyone else has improved. So Maguire's ninth. Alex Telles is seventh. He's an interesting case, isn't he? Uh, has played, I think, five games uh, since Solskjaer left, mainly due to injury to Luke Shaw, but has even played with, when Shaw's been fit. So that's interesting. And the same on the other flank. So Diogo Dallo has come in uh, for Wambasaka, who we've mentioned before, has struggled. But Wambasaka is actually sixth. Um, his rating's gone up substantially. Diogo Dallo, fifth. Scott McTominay, fourth. Cristiano Ronaldo is third. His rating's actually increased a little bit. It's not increased as much as the other players because he already had a decent rating, but he's third. And then the top two, not surprising, David De Gea, who's been, they've needed him. And I think that's telling uh, that, it hasn't all been rosy since Solskjaer left. They've they've had to struggle through games. And Fred is way, way out in front. Uh, his rating is 7.69 in the six games since Solskjaer left. That's an increase of 1.16, which is vast. Um, so, yeah, he's been superb um, since Solskjaer left. And credit where it's due, he's a player that gets a fair amount of criticism. But maybe given a little bit more licence to get forward in the current setup. He's playing really, really well uh, and definitely the success story so far. Yeah, Fred's going to be one of those players, isn't he, Jonathan, that's laughed at for years but then turns really good and everyone loves him. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he still has this sort of haplessness, doesn't he? Kind of when mm. things go wrong for Fred, they sort of, oh, yeah, if something goes wrong, you sort of, it's, it, they always, it always seems to go wrong for Fred. But, I mean, we saw Shakhtar, he's a good player. Uh, I just think he's another one of those, a bit like Sancho, who has been thrust into a, a sort of destructured system and has struggled a bit to, to cope with that. Uh, and I think he hasn't, you know, he wasn't really helped at times by Solskjaer. For instance, that game against PSG when he got the early yellow card. Mm. And you sort of think you've got to take him off because he's going to get sent off. Oh, he's been sent off. <laughs> and then that was obvious to everybody. And yeah, he was kept on. And, and um, yeah, it, it, it's, I guess, moving from Shakhtar to, to, to England, you always do have a slight doubt as to is he's clearly a step up, but you know he he he's been a good player there. He's played well for Brazil. Um, you know he's clearly a decent player. It's just whether he, he you know he can find a structure to suit him. And I don't think he's been helped by um, yeah, by, by by playing in a team that, that that's for a long time hasn't really tracked particularly well and, and has often left the defensive midfielders a bit exposed. Can I have your predictions for the Nicky Butt Derby players? 2-1 Manchester United. 2-1 Manchester United. Who's got 3-1. 3-1 Manchester United. 3-1 to Manchester United. I've gone for 2-0 to Manchester United. Let's catch up now with Sam Boswell from Bet Victor. We're going to look at the relegation dogfight. Sam, welcome. How are you? Good to talk to you. Yeah, really well. Thank you, Dan. And looking forward to an absolute festive feast of football Fingers crossed COVID doesn't impact the team news too much and we get some absolutely brilliant games. Yeah, could quite easily be absolutely nothing on Boxing Day. But as you say, fingers crossed there is some football to watch. We're going to talk today about the relegation markets. Leeds have probably been in flux in that, I would imagine. Yeah, the relegation market has been hotting up. Leeds obviously having some real issues with injuries. They're fantastic support. Nonetheless, can't stop them getting beaten games three to one now to finish in the bottom three and be relegated back to the championship. We'll run through the other prices. Uh, Norwich remain the shortest price at one to seven and their fate does look almost sealed. Unfortunately for Dean Smith, going to be some turnaround needed there. Newcastle may have all the money in the world. They're going to need to spend big in January, we think, eight to 13 to pull off the impossible and try and stay up. I think they've got a little bit of a squeak. Watford, eight to 11 to go down, obviously a bit of a yo-yo club if we're perfectly honest uh, they could be dragged well and truly into the mix Burnley uh, just a shades of odds on now at 10 to 11 appreciate they get out of it most years but I think Sean Dyche has got his hands full and be interested to see how they get on and there's a team in there Dan that I think you want to give a mention to at a big mm. price Southampton 7 to 1 with ourselves I'll let you make the case yeah I think they're a big risk Sam I yeah. think teams like Watford I think they've probably got enough goals in them to stay up Southampton I don't think they've got enough goals. Armstrong, I think, has only scored two since he, since he joined the club. He was to replace Danny Ings. They've lost Danny Ings' goals. They're not the most secure at the back. They've got goalkeeper issues now as well. I don't just think things aren't all roses at Southampton. I think House and Hurtle's probably not massively happy with how he's been backed as well. So I, I think they could get sucked in. 
I really think yeah, they're in a bit of trouble. I, I think it's such a, lo- a long price as well. I think they were. Yeah, and them. there's a lot of factors you've got to consider. Obviously, we have got quite a bit of fixture build up for some teams. You've also got to look at the likes of squad depth. And as you say, if you can't score goals, you're not going to win games. You can pick up the odd draw here and there potentially, but you, n- you need to be scoring. I-, I-, I think Leeds will be okay, personally. I think that they'll get themselves out of it. Uh, my big worry out of those teams mentioned, I- I'd actually sooner be a Burnley backer than a Newcastle backer. I do think. Eddie Howe will get money to spend. And I think it's going to be a case of effective signings rather than glamorous signings. I wouldn't be shocked if we can see Newcastle out of those teams pull off the great escape. But like I say, it's a really interesting market. Plenty going on. All the other prices can be found over at betbeater.com. I will just touch on the Boxing Day games, though. Um, Should they all go ahead? This looks like an absolute Christmas nightmare for us. Uh, We've got short prices all over the show that people get stuck into. Uh, Liverpool v Leeds, obviously a very short price at home. Uh, the Reds. You've got City one to six to get the better of Leicester. You've got Arsenal two to five away at Norwich. You've got Chelsea in the evening four to six away at Villa, and then we roll into Monday where United are four to nine to beat the seemingly struggling Newcastle. I, we're going to need a result out of somewhere, or I think it could be a very very uh, late Christmas present to all the punters out there. It's, it's going to be a good set of games. The only thing I'd like to add as well is obviously this time of year, it's a lot of sport on the box. Everyone's enjoying themselves, but do continue to gamble responsibly. It's a really important thing to consider. And um, you might want to hold your bets till you see the team news with everything going on at the moment. It, it's a difficult time for teams with injuries and obviously COVID. Definitely seeing people playing a bit later once they can see what's going on. And I think that's always a sensible piece of advice we can give punters. Everyone's favourite time of the podcast now. It's time for the Just a Minute section. Jonathan, you're going to start and you've got Burnley against Everton and the only person I can think of is the Aaron Lennon Darber. Oh, very good. Yeah, so Burnley, two points from safety. I, I still sort of think they've been playing all right this season. They just struggled a bit for goals. Uh, their last uh, six games, they've only lost one. They've only won one, uh, so four draws in there. And that's partly, I think, because of the, the struggles to score goals. Haven't scored for the last three games. But in that spell, they've only conceded once. Um, I think it's 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 sort of interesting as well that the, the sort of negativity around Everton. They are they are six points above Burnley, so it's not that bad yet. But fourteen of their points did come in the first seven games of the season. They've only taken five points in the last ten, so they could conceivably get sucked in that relegation battle. Um, injuries have been a massive problem for Everton, and they, they just seem to be getting worse. I think Yerry Mina is actually the one they've really missed, along with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's still out. But they're also now without Richarlison, uh, without Salman Rondon, for what that's worth, but he is a centre-forward, without Gray, without Delph, without Townsend, without Davis. So they're really short on numbers. And so I think this is an opportunity for Burnley. I'm going to say 1-0 Burnley. 1-0 Burnley. I've gone for 2-1 Burnley. Who scored? Uh, we've gone for one all. Differential. Oh, no. like it. Differential. Very nice. Martin, your first game to preview is Manchester City v Leicester. Oh, the Casper Schmeichel derby. That's that's the yeah. Easy, but I'm gonna go with it. Having been dropped for the win over Newcastle due to their behaviour off the field, it remains to be seen if Jack Grealish and Phil Foden are still on the naughty step. The former is finding out pretty fast that he won't get quite the same level of protection or forgiveness for his antics off the pits than he did when he was the star boy at Aston Villa. Also seems little coincidence that Carl Walker hasn't been seen since he picked up that nonsensical red card against Leipzig while Ferran Torres is somehow edging closer to a move to cash-strapped Barcelona. For Leicester, it remains to be seen how many of a clutch of players that tested positive for COVID-19 will be back available, though Brendan Rodgers will hope to have at least one centre-back available. Jalar Soyuncu started in the week uh, against Liverpool but did come off, so I don't know what the status of that injury is. Johnny Evans uh, is still out and likely to miss out. Like I mentioned before, Jamie Vardy has an excellent record against City, but he could be rested... uh, Again, with um, Rogers mindful that Ian Acho will be off to AFCON soon and Pats and Dak are in good form. Uh, the team playing away from home has won the last four league meetings between these two, but given the shape that both playing squads approach the game in, with City more rested as well, having failed to defend their customary Carabao Cup, that trend should change. We're going 3-1 Man City. 4-1 Man City here. Jonathan? 3-1. 3-1 Man City. I mean, where are Barcelona getting 50 million for Ferran Torres from? That's my question. Oh, no, it's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, I don't, don't know how they can they can do that. But we'll I think see they've got a, a, a bank loan, is what I saw. Oh. But he, they will have to sell players in order for him to be able to actually play. I don't know. I don't know. It's bizarre. It's, 
Yeah, doesn't feel very worthwhile that to me for either team particularly, but never mind. Norwich v Arsenal, Jonathan, the David Bentley derby. Well, Arsenal, uh, after all our scepticism about them, seem to be back in form. Um, so they won four in a row now, if you include the League Cup game, which you know, obviously a second string side, but still winning 5-1, even against the League One opponents, is, is useful. Um, and I, I think what we've seen with Arsenal this season, and it continues a trend, they're, they're good at beating teams they should beat, particularly at home. Obviously, this is a way, and their away record hasn't been great, but they were very convincing winners at Leeds last week. And Norwich, for all, I think they, they have improved under Dean Smith. They've only taken two points from the last five games. They've had three defeats in a row. Uh, they only scored one goal in those five games. They, they haven't been easy games at all. Um, and certainly at Tottenham, I think they, they, they played pretty well. But their injury problems are disastrous at the minute. So no... Uh, I mean, how many players? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players out. Um, so I think there's going to be a struggle for them. I'm going to say 3-0 to Arsenal. 3-0 to the Arsenal. I've gone for 2-0 to the Arsenal, Martin. Yeah, 2-0. 2-0 to the Arsenal for you as well. Next up for you, Martin, Spurs v Palace. Oh, come on, Daniel. The Wayne Ravage derby. Let's get it on. <laughs> Tottenham v Palace, Martin. Off you go. Tottenham were somewhat forced into the 3-5-2 shape that Conte deployed at Inter against Liverpool last time out and certainly looked far more dangerous on the counter. Harry Winks impressed in the absence of Hoiberg and he could keep his place uh, while the Kane and Son partnership looked more effective than it has all season in that game. Uh, after, a combined, after combining for a record-breaking number of goals last season, they'll look to get that back up and running. Sessegnon was a surprise selection over Reggion at left-back in that game, but is now injured, so the latter will return. For Palace, James McArthur could make a long-awaited return to the side and has been missed, but Will Hughes has finally come into the side in recent times following a move from Watford and will hope to keep his place. Elsewhere, despite being fit enough for the bench in the last six games, Everett Eze is still yet to start for Patrick Vieira, while Joachim Anderson should return to partner Mark Gerhi. Tottenham have won their last six league games at home against Palace, conceding just once. In fact, the Christian Benteco goal in a 4-1 defeat last season in this fixture is the only goal Palace have scored in their last eight league trips to Tottenham. Indeed, the player to have scored the most goals for Palace against Tottenham is Odson Edouard in nine minutes in the reverse fixture. He's the highest scoring player for Palace against Tottenham in their entire squad. Uh, we're going for 2-0. Two 2-1 nil. Two one to Spurs here. Jonathan? Uh, uh, sorry, I just looked that up. 2-0, uh, did I say? I did say 2-0, yeah. yeah sorry. Bit of a stumble over Hoiberg's name there as well. Martin happens to the was best it? of us, doesn't he? Yeah, I was, I was, what it was, I was literally just thinking about it before I said it. I was like, yeah, he's, Dan's going to be he's, tracking this. Like, oh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one, Hoiberg. <laughs> I've got it now. I can do it when I don't need to. Oh, yeah, yeah we've Easy. got it down. No Jonathan, West Ham v Saints in capital letters <laughs> on the screen here for some, for some reason. West Ham v Saints. I know I do not have a player. I don't have one. I'm struggling. I don't know. It's a real Someone struggle. like Steve Lowe. No, not Steve Lowe. Steve Lowe, Lowe I was thinking of Neil Shipley at one point, but then I don't think he played for West Ham. I'll have a think while Jonathan is Yeah, I'll do the same. West Ham struggling a little bit at the minute. I, I think even their, their League Cup quarterfinal was indicative of things have been, how things have been going recently. Not, not playing particularly badly, but just not getting the results they were getting early in the season. So I think there's probably a bit of a regression to the mean going on. They've also I think, really suffered from the injury to Ogbonna. Uh, in that win over Liverpool. So they've only won one out of six in the league since then, which was the win over Chelsea. But I think that is also telling that they're much better against teams who come onto them, who give them space uh, to, to, to run into. I think both Jared Bowen and Michael Antonio much prefer that. And those problems at the back have been compounded by the absence of Zuma. Um, and uh, Cresswell is now a doubt as well. And Kufal is suspended for this game. So that's potentially the, full, the whole back four out. Uh, Southampton, three draws and three defeats in the last six games. Goals have been a problem all season. But I think defensively, they can hold West Ham. Uh, it was 0-0 at St Mary's early in the season, and I think it would be something similar. I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. I've gone for 2-1 to West Ham, Martin. Uh, we have gone for 2-1 to West Ham. I've got one for what it's worth. Quite smug I as well. I felt like I was. I mean, you've. Took, I've heard you typing away there. You've googled yeah. this. Well, I thought of one. You can't, I, like, I need to validate that. it. You can't, oh, okay, fine. I was going to say you can't be smug if you've just googled. No, but like, no, I, no. I felt like I was on the cusp of something, but I, I just didn't quite get there. I like Did it you? as well. I Al Berkovich. Uh, oh, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. The next, your next one, Brighton v Brentford. I sound like Jose Mourinho. 
Impossible. There's not. There's not. A Brian <laughs> there's no. There's no one you can come up with for Brighton v Brentford. I mean, I, this preview could literally be me reading out a list of the Brighton players who aren't available because there's so many of them. It would pretty much take up a full minute. Did any of them used to play for Watford? I mean, for Brentford. <laughs> well, let, 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 let's go through them: Dunk, Alzate, Webster, Duffy, Mope, Gross, Welbeck, uh, Samiento, Lacardia, Steele, Duffy suspended, and um, Veltman is is a doubt. So Brighton are really, really up against it. Uh, their form hasn't been great recently. Uh, drawn six and lost three of the last nine. Only scored twice in the last five. But Brentford have been on a bit of a funny run. They had that dip. Taking eight points in the last five, so they have stabilised. So I think any sort of immediate relegation concerns have been pushed to the side. But I thought they looked pretty poor against a makeshift Chelsea in the League Cup. Um, I still think they should have too much for this Brentford just because Brighton, Brighton is so, so low on numbers. Uh, so I'm going to go 2-1, I think, to the away team, to Brentford. I've got exactly the same. Who scored? Uh, we've gone for one all. I've realised as well that impossible. It's Pep that says impossible all the time, not Jose, so I haven't got that wrong. And I didn't come up with a player, Brian Brentford. There isn't, there isn't one. There just isn't one. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm no. sorry to put in here. Mope? Oh, bloody hell, <laughs> he was on the list. He was on the list as well that Jonathan read out. Oh. Absolute shambolic. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> That's I bad. tell you who did play for both, Neil Mopé. Ah, uh, yeah. Plucked. That's a, plucked it. That's a disgrace. He went it's got this, his... this voice in my head there. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, it's weird. He went through all that list of players, and I was specifically listening out for anyone that might have played for Brentford. And I know full well that Mopé played for Brentford and still didn't <laughs> click. Really, really poor. Yeah, the Neil, Neil Mopé derby. Excellent. We've got a Boxing Day trip. Actually, no, before we get onto the treble, What's the predictions league table looking like? The, the COVID, it's just thrown it into disarray, hasn't it? Controversy, because, Dan, you didn't. I'm going to bring it up. You didn't submit your predictions for the weekend's games. Admittedly, I didn't ask for them, but Jonathan sent his. Didn't need asking, just sent his. Um, so, yeah, you actually denied who scored a three-pointer as well. We Tactical. said 4-0 Man City, Newcastle. So, the, the game weeks had to be voided. Uh, so, you've ruined... Basically, the whole season, uh, the whole show. Um, and we there's only four games played in the end, weren't there? So. There were four yeah. games, yeah. <laughs> and I would have, but, yeah. I would have gone four 0 to Man City as well, hundred percent. Would you? Okay, that three points my, to that you. That would have been my prediction as well. Uh, so yeah, I will, need to, I will need to catch up on where we're at. Uh, I know that you're still in the lead, um, but it's easy now. He just doesn't send any more predictions. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was specifically asked this week, so I did. I will say, when we did a show that wasn't a preview, I just didn't think because it wasn't incorporated into the show. So yeah, I just didn't, just didn't do it. <sighs> you should know now. Every week we do we do our predictions. Every I only apologise. I am very sorry. Let's make it up to everyone because I'm sure the general public's pretty upset by this as well. We've got a yeah. Boxing Day 3 p.m. treble, haven't we, Martin? Uh, well, yeah, we've had some recent success in general. Obviously, we've not been. Uh, tipping uh, much on the show in the last couple of weeks because of all the sort of COVID uncertainty. But before that, we had two weeks in a row where we landed 20, 20 to 1 uh, bets. So really good. One, one of them was one of the trebles. And then we followed it up with uh, Man City Wolves bet builder, I believe, uh, which was 20 to 1 as well, which landed. So, yeah, we're back this week with a treble. And I'll, I'll kick us off, shall I? Um it uh, the uh, the who scored leg is for Gabriel Martinelli to score any time against Norwich, uh, just based on the fact that Arsenal should win that game quite comfortably. Martinelli's in really good form, three goals in his last two, he's had a direct hand and a goal in five of his last six as well. So yeah, in really good form. Should start having been rested against the mighty Sunderland in the week. So yeah, Martinelli to score is the who scored leg yeah my leg fits in with my prediction so i've predicted man city for leicester one so i've gone for there to be over 3.5 goals in that game and manchester city to win leicester cannot defend to save their lives jonathan your leg i've gone tottenham to beat palace and under four and a half goals in the game nice and all that comes to martin so it was 19 to 2 uh boosted to 11 to 1 uh for that one so maybe a slightly lower price uh than we when we usually shoot for um, but I think that for what it's worth, those those tips all marry up with our predictions. So we've all gone for Man City to win and over 3.5 goals. We've all gone for Tottenham to win and under 4.5 goals. And we've all gone for Arsenal to win quite comfortably. And, and Martinelli looks a, a good bet for, for a goal scorer in that game. So, yeah, 11 to 1, the treble. 
yeah i like it i like it very much and that's the end of the podcast for this week thanks ever so much to you guys for joining me as ever and thanks to everyone who has tuned in as well and let's thank sam from bet victor as well and thank bet victor for continuing to sponsor us if you're not already subscribed with your post notifications on if you could do that and help our subscriber base grow we would all be very grateful that's all we want for christmas really the subscriber numbers to go up hope everyone has a great christmas we're going to be back on new year's eve so watch out for that if you post notifications on you'll know exactly when it's out have a great christmas as i say and as ever please please stay safe